I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Rugby Weekly, coming at you a day early again this week, we're usually with you on Fridays, but what with the biggest game of the ORC weekend, at least from an Irish point of view, occurring on Friday night, Murray Kinsella joins us to look ahead to Ulster Monster on this lovely Thursday, at least it's lovely down in Cork, Murray, what's it like up there? It's beautiful here too, loving the summery weather and I've loved the kind of summery rugby last few weekends, hoping for more of the same this weekend, Gav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, a slight of a hold, I think, teams throwing around the ball as we get into the business end of the season and a business end of this competition that actually looks so enticing as well on paper. The Jeopardy for Munster even this weekend probably says it all. They can finish the weekend, I think. Uh on a spectrum from second to eighth, depending on other results. Um, that's what makes this uh, game in Belfast so big for them, also a big game for Ulster. But I suppose we should start with the big news of the day, Murray, which is that the new URC trophy has been unveiled. Uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I like it. looks pretty cool to me. Apparently you can take the top off and fill it up with booze as well if you want to celebrate in that manner. So yeah, I think it's nice and modern. kind of fits with the branding they've gone for in the URC as well I know loads of people give out about it but that's how life works these days what do you think I'm on board with it yeah I'm not I don't really care too much about trophy aesthetics I think a lot of people actually do in fairness uh, which I kind of respect but yeah I think it looks good a lot of funny replies to it like people were asking me who are actually going to pay for the batteries like is it the URC or (laughs) the winning club so on another person said uh, i think it was their friend ian frizzell who listens to the podcast it looks like something you chop vegetables with but uh <laughs> yeah if people are looking for funny descriptions of it actually just go on to the orc tweet and look at the quote tweets of the replies but to my mind a fine job that's what these teams are playing for this weekend the top seeded team Murray, will host the final as well and that's been confirmed today so there have been suggestions obviously that the final would take place in south africa sort of regardless of who was playing in it uh is this the fairest way to go about it to your mind yeah i think it is i actually haven't minded the the they call them the destination finals like i loved going to glasgow for the leinster um was that 2018 wasn't it It was a brilliant occasion class stadium i love seeing new venues like that obviously the viva stadium has done the final with being chosen early a couple of times before but given the upheaval given the strange couple of years we've come out of I don't mind this solution and obviously Leinster are in pole position and they'll be licking their lips at the thought of it but it just adds that little, little bit of incentive for say for Ulster tomorrow night like obviously they were motivated and, and up for winning because they're still battling for spots in the in the playoff mix-up and they want home quarterfinal home semi-final but it gives them a little carrot there to, to chase a rather big carrot actually to, to chase now it makes Leinster feel a little bit more pressure over in South Africa without all their front liners just to, to wrap up that top spot and, and the advantage that comes with it so it's another little factor in what is an incredibly exciting three weekends of URC with Champions Cup in the middle of that obviously the, the quarterfinals being played there but there's so much to play for in every single game as you say Munster can can leap above Ulster with a win there's so much to gain there but there's so much to lose with the the Wolves chasing them just behind the the next four teams are incredibly bunched up and and those top eight spots are really hotly contested a couple of these teams are playing each other over the the next three rounds as well so it is really going to be 
exciting it's exactly what we wanted with this African sides coming in three of them really pushing hard for for playoff spots indeed home quarterfinals as well which would add another new completely new challenge for the the Irish provinces or whoever would have to to travel there so yeah I think it's absolutely brilliant and this competition definitely feels much bigger and better than has been the case yeah it certainly does we'll focus on that Ulster Munster game given what's at stake for both teams now bearing that potential home final uh in mind and we have the teams as well as we record both of them look really interesting to me like if i was a fan of either of those two teams just looking at those teams i'd be like oh i really want to see how x or y gets on in certain positions there's a couple of those like for the start with ulster the hosts mike lowry into 10 which is something that has been cited plenty and has been tried and some people maintain that still he should be probably used a little bit more at 10 Whereas in recent weeks and months, we've probably seen him flourish at 15. But also then you have Stuart Moore coming into 15 for Ulster. Uh, a couple of changes at blindside and open side as well. And Nick Timoney moving to eight. But just talk to me to begin with about that selection. Larry 10, Moore 15, and how that changes things from Dan McFarland's point of view and changes how Ulster might go about beating Ulster on their own patch. Well, it was really interesting because this is exactly what we spoke about on, on Monday's pod with Birch for, for members. We had a great chat about Ulster and all the, the games last weekend, obviously, um, and Birch did some brilliant analysis. And he felt that Billy Burns maybe was one player where they could potentially improve their, their starting team. And I, I mentioned Lowry and, and my sense that he may have moved there a little bit earlier than has been the case. Burns is out of this game tomorrow night with a concussion. He picked up a knock last weekend, as did Kieran Treadwell, so, so ruled out. But... I think everyone's excited to see Lowry go there. He's obviously played quite a bit of rugby at 10, but more recently has just focused on 15 because he's been so excellent in that position. Will Addison has been missing and he's he's made it his own and has added so much to Ulster's game there. But some of the strengths he brings to the mix can be equally effective at 10. Listen, he'll probably have to have more tactical ownership of the team. He'll have to call plays. He'll have to plot the game a little bit more... Um, in terms of control and, and where Ulster are playing on the pitch and using his kicking game, he has those abilities, but he also has wonderful footwork, wonderful game-breaking ability. He can beat defenders. He can really challenge the line and probably create space for, for others just playing off him as well with that threat and with that darting break. So I think that's really exciting. He has a little short kicking game as well. He can chip, he can grubber, he can chase himself and regather. Um, and he can also put others into space and that's been part of the, the game that he's been pushing from fullback to try and be uh, the extra set of eyes and extra set of hands and the extra voice uh, running the, the back line so he can I suppose push those those skills now with more time on the ball at 10 I, I can't wait to see, it, it, see how it goes and I thought Stuart Moore was really good at fullback when he played there very recently only a few weeks ago he was yeah, he was clever on the ball. He's got a really intuitive understanding of space, of body positions and angles of defenders, of when they've committed, of when he needs to hold on to the ball for another split second before releasing someone. And he's got lots of individual ability on the ball as well. We've, we've known that since he was Ireland under 20s. And even before that, if you were hearing from people who who saw him in school, etc., he's a, a really wonderfully talented backline player. Ulster are stacked with them in their squad and, and I really like the, the look of that backline with their centre pairing continuing. They've been just so impressive. Um, myself and, and Owen were talking about on Wednesday's pod for members just they're probably my favourite centre combination in the game now. I think they dovetail really nicely. I think they've both managed to combine the two roles now more and more so they they can switch 
kind of slots uh, in the middle of games and in the middle of phase play. So yeah, it's a really exciting Ulster backline, um, and hopefully with conditions holding nicely, we can see exactly what they can do. They'll be reliant as ever on their their forwards, and that's the battle I'm most fascinated about. Line out more. It was so decisive the last time these two teams played down in Thorne Park. There was early red card, obviously, and Ulster had scored an early mall try, but then Munster got a real grip on it. Thomas O'Hearn got a couple of steals, massive stuff there, um, and they managed to, to slow up Ulster's forwards in that area. So, as always, Ulster's backline will be depending on, on those guys to get them a bit of go forward. On the Munster side of things, then, equally some interesting selections, or at least exciting selections. We'll get to Craig Casey starting in a moment. I think that's what a lot of people will want to hear from you on. But you have also been beating the drum probably more than anybody for Thomas O'Hearn to get more opportunities in a starting team, not just off the bench where he's made a magnificent impact in recent weeks. And he gets that opportunity this time around. You just mentioned him there. He did wreck uh, in Limerick when they met last time. So talk to me about his progress even in recent weeks and what he might be able to bring to Munster's challenge of Ulster that, say, his teammates in the same position may not. Well, he we know he's an X-factor player he's got a unique athletic ability that other second rows well many other second rows don't have you know he can outpace backs he can offload with the best of them he's got a lovely um soft set of hands and you saw that even when he came out again against exeter away he played one beautiful little flick out the back door to allow Munster to attack the left hand side and, and it was a really good fixing of defenders in that instance as well you initially think okay he's got to release this pass earlier but then he drags in a second defender from the outside and and releases the ball into space i think that skill set is is really great to see and it's something that modern forwards have to have now really on top of that though he's worked very hard around his set piece stuff i just mentioned it there like he's an incredible defensive line out threat as he should be he's a springy tall guy he's long he's lean um he's powerful getting off the the ground uh, and he's really clearly worked hard on that behind the scenes in terms of reading line outs even in that ulster game he got a couple of excellent reads uh, and combined with the likes of Tyg Byrne behind him to to get up and win those steals his mall work is really good as well he's got really long levers obviously he can reach across and get his hands in there and get on the ball and and slow things up and just wreck attacking more plans as well and that stuff is obviously as important if not more important than the the flashier stuff around the pitch but I think that combination of factors makes him a really exciting player obviously you've got to build your ability as a starting second row you've got to be injury free a lot of the time you've got to be able to play 60 70 80 minutes depending on your your role in the match day 23 and that's kind of the next step for him he's definitely and, and hopefully touch wood he's shaking off those kind of niggly injuries that held him back last season but i think the potential is there for all to see i certainly think he's a player who's got more than enough potential to to go on and play for ireland but first and foremost to to nail down a place in, in ireland in munster's starting team rather and add something as I said, that, that a lot of second rows don't have. So really excited to see how it goes for him. Monster Shorn of Peter Manny, who was biblically good last week. Noel Scannell <laughs> also picked up a knock. Uh, so let, let's even talk about the back row. I still think it's an exciting looking, sort of exuberant looking monster back row. You mentioned that back row battle. How do you anticipate that going now that we know the personnel involved? Yeah, it is a, a miss not having your, your skipper there when he was so outstanding last time around. But Jack O'Donoghue takes over in the number six jersey and as captain. And, and as we know, he's been outstanding. Myself and Owen got into it a bit on, on Wednesday there, just about 
how much he's added to his game how he's bringing all factors now and and pushing himself back into that Ireland mix for for New Zealand it it is a slightly different looking back row but you've got kind of traditional monster strengths there with John Hoddett and Alex Kandelin just being relentless around the breakdown they've got a great jackaling skill set in in that trio of back rows really all guys who go hard at the ball Kandelin I think again is of that modern mold of of footballer of all rounder, I think you could play him anywhere in the the back row. It doesn't really matter what his his jersey number is. He's got a really wide ranging and rounded skill set. So, again, exciting to see him get further opportunity. And Hodnett has has done really well the last couple of months. Really, you know, he's come back. It's not that long ago he was out with a really serious injury, and it can take time for you know bodies to get back to to previous heights when that is the case but i've been impressed with how this season has gone for him and how he's grabbed every opportunity really he's he's just filled in brilliantly he's more of a traditional kind of open side as we think of a number seven he's got that groundhog ability and um, but he's been carrying well he's been linking play and um yeah he, he kind of again fits into the criteria of the the modern forward that munster excitingly have quite a few of now Let's talk about Casey then getting the nod at nine. And to be fair, Conor Murray put in like a fabulous performance last weekend. This tends to happen when people are calling for his head figuratively <laughs> in the either green or red. He, he, he does it again. And yet Casey, when he did come on against Exeter, was exceptional in his own way. They're, they're so different, which is handy for a head coach to have. But what do you think it says about Monster's intentions that they have decided to start Casey? Or is it simply due to a little bit of wear and tear as well, considering the players would have picked up Knox last weekend. I like think it's largely because Casey has put his hand up and, and demanded it, really. He's been absolutely brimming for a, a start in one of these, what is essentially a knockout game in, in all but, you know, name it. This is a massive one for, for Munster and, and there's so much riding on the line. And I think it's outstanding that he gets the opportunity. And now it is different for him. You know, he's had the, not that it's a luxury, but there's a very specific... Uh, aspect of coming off the bench saying you know with the coach saying get on there get tempo going put speed on the ball just be relentless even if there's nothing apparently on just go go at it and, and make something happen as you as you move and he's done that really well and obviously there are differences w- with starting but I hope that he's almost given that message a- again obviously you've got to have a realism around things like your kicking game getting out of tricky parts of the pitch really listening to your out half when when they're demanding ball and when they've called plays uh, and not going off doing your own thing but you know you hope to the large extent that Casey can be back to bring tempo all the time to snipe around those fringes draw in defenders as he did in the build-up to that Damien Dialende try which was just a wonderful bit of monster attack and showed glimpses of or showed more of the glimpses we've seen of them kind of pushing passes and, and being intelligent how they break down attacks and he was an integral part of it um, so yeah I hope that tempo was a, a prominent aspect to it he'll have to kick well he'll have to defend well Conor Murray has been outstanding in defence in particular the last couple of weekends I thought he had some poor kicks probably the last day that he'd love to get back and indeed when Casey came on his first one was an absolute peach so he's definitely been working hard on that side of the game but let's just see Munster back him to be the, the nine that he is. You know, he's different, as you say, to, to Conor Murray, but they, they really need to embrace that rather than maybe trying to pigeonhole him into someone else's role. Hmm. Just a word on Munster's latest signing then, Murray, before we wrap on this game or before I ask you for predictions on this game. How much have you seen of Antoine Frisch from Bristol Bears this season or even in past seasons? 
I've seen him play a few times in the Premiership actually this season. I think it's a really excellent, excellent signing. Like what what an under the radar um, option and whoever his agent is obviously deserves great credit for flagging that he's Irish qualified. Um, I don't think a lot of people would realise that. It sounds like there was a lot more interest in him indeed within Ireland and, and also a couple of top 14 clubs. He's 25, but he's obviously been a, a slow burner. He played for uh, Rouen in the Pro D2 last or two seasons ago or even three maybe at this stage. He was playing Federal 1 um, down the, the what was the third tier of French rugby is now the fourth tier just a few years ago as well but he's progressed every single time he's taken a step up I think when you see even the highlights you can see the athleticism but also the ability to to play ball and his, some of his offloading off the ground is outstanding definitely will still be learning around you know fitting into a team defensively all those kind of boring parts but there's a lot of potential there and I know that in Munster you know the fact that they've given him a three-year deal they think and on the RFU indeed think that there's potential international um, ability there so yeah an amazing kind of under the radar one no one really realised he was Irish qualified until very recently um, and he flagged it and, and then there was a flurry of interest so fascinating to see how he goes they've got some nice options now in midfield with, with Fekitoa coming in I do think losing D- Damien Dialende though one of the very best in the world will be a big blow but they're compensating nicely with the likes of, of Farrell and Scallon and Goggins still there as well so I think it's a, a really nice addition Gav. Mm, we're going to get stuck into this game again on Monday with Birch for the 42 members but for now Murray call it for us in a word or a few words. It wouldn't surprise me if Munster Cup um, with, with Ulster still a little bit reeling from last weekend. I find it very tough to call but but I do think Munster have a really good chance here. And while everyone's kind of focused on the negative potential outcomes, there's so much upside to it. Um, yeah, I'll go for Munster on a very narrow margin, Gav. What do you reckon? <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion for Munster as well. Um, I'm not sure if that hunch has anything to do with Ulster Toulouse or, or the fact that they may be still reeling. I, I have actually been kind of thinking that that could work against monster in a sense but yeah I don't know I, I actually think it was Casey's inclusion made me think okay maybe mm-hmm. they can play a bit of ball here and in my head it just it just looks like a great game so that's sort of what I'm looking forward to most I think most people at home would share that sentiment uh, talk to me about Sharks Leinster so Sharks had a really disappointing result let all of South Africa down about three weeks ago against <laughs> Edinburgh on their own turf but they've bounced back with you know two high scoring wins against the Lions and the Dragons was it mm-hmm. um Leinster going down there obviously without their internationals and it's it's a great chance for some of their players that are more on the fringes to get big game experience but how do you see it going with that in mind and in fairness we don't have the teams yet but like do you think it's more about development for Leinster than it is about results it might be might be a stupid question but just I guess bearing in mind the squad they have brought and the fact that you're exposing some of these younger guys to you know altitude uh, just that South African intensity basically over there yeah it's a really tricky one and Sharks team sheets recently have been really impressive with all their their box players in there and the likes of Sia Khaleesi and brilliant players like Afalele Fassi who are just really dangerous in possession. So it is a tough challenge for them. As you say, Edinburgh went down and got a good result. It shows there probably is a little bit of vulnerability when there's a, a bit of steel, I think, in, in the visiting team. And I'd be shocked if Leinster don't bring that. Like The guys who are going to play have been absolutely bursting at the seams to get opportunity. That's how it works in Leinster. And I'd be surprised if there's a big dip off. Like Obviously, the 
the weather conditions are, are the challenge, aren't they? It's it's different for, for Leinster in that regard from what they've been doing for the last few months. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Leinster go down uh, and win. I'd imagine there's been real pressure on the players to, to be the ones to go and, and have that kind of successful South African tour. And I definitely think there's enough quality in their squad still to do that. Lions then hosting Connacht. Uh, that's on Saturday like we kind of know Connacht are in must win territory and it probably still won't be enough but that being said if they can win down there you're picking up some really valuable not only experience to bring with you for next season but just that kind of well I suppose it is experience but also just that that little bit of know-how in South Africa like you're going back down there next year these are going to be crucial games again for you next year as you try and qualify for the Champions Cup so yeah doing it once a little bit of muscle memory you know Mm. and I hope they keep pressure on like essentially the pressure's off like you know it'll take a miracle for them to get into the playoffs so that I suppose mental you know mental pressure isn't there but they gotta keep the foot down up to the end of the season it'd be just so disappointing if it just peters out and it's tough to get back up a week on having travelled and again with different weather conditions it's it's got altitude obviously it's going to be really tough we saw how monster struggle in the, the kind of closing stages against Lions um, so I wouldn't be the most optimistic about Connacht having an equally successful tour but I think they have enough in their in their squad to win one of these games and this Lions one I suppose is, is the one you're targeting based on the, the table let's see how they get on let's see how all of the provinces get on in the ORC over the weekend great to see you boss cheers Gav We'll be back on Monday and we'll dig in as well to the Ireland women's team's trip to England in the Six Nations. Looking forward to catching up with Birch and all of the 42 members on Monday morning slash afternoon. And if you're not yet a member, you can subscribe at members.the42.e. You can also get onto the landing page there, look at all of the offerings. It's not only extra rugby pods, but many, many more to boot so members not the 42.e if you want to check that out for non-members we'll be back next week and for members catch you on monday enjoy all the rugby over the weekend in the meantime mind yourselves i don't think we've met before but i'm the referee on this field leinster could offer me five mil a year i wouldn't go rugby rugby weekly in the first pass